You are listening to the Life Point Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Drew Meyer. For more information about other Life Point Church resources, please visit www.livethemessage.org. The last few weeks we've been talking about the Bible. That's right, the Bible. We've been talking about the role of the Bible in our lives. And so this morning we're going to continue that. The title of my message is Daily Bread. Daily Bread. I grew up in a home where my mom loved to bake. And so the aroma of fresh baked bread was a common occurrence. And so I, I have fond memories of walking in the doors of our home and catching the waft of fresh baked bread. And there is something so alluring to that aroma, am I right? It would always draw, you know, young punk teenage kid, it would always draw me to the kitchen. Like, I gotta go check this out, you know, kind of naively, you know, but of course I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get something, it's gonna be amazing. There's something so alluring, so it stirs up a hunger in us, the aroma of fresh baked bread. Well, the Bible throughout the, the, the storyline of the Bible continues to use this analogy of, of the revelation of God's word being like bread to us. And I have a very simple prayer this morning. I, I just began to pray it as I was praying, and it's very simply that, that God would stir up a hunger in our hearts, that this morning you'd, you'd maybe catch the aroma of the Word of God and its role in your life, so much so that you'd leave this place with a hunger to dive into it for yourself. There's a story in Luke chapter 4 where, where Jesus is led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, and he's, he's, he's called to, or, you know, the Holy Spirit leads him to fast for 40 days. And I love Dr. Luke's narrative because he says he fasted for 40 days, he didn't eat for 40 days, and at the end of the 40 days, he was hungry. Just in case you were wondering, he was hungry after 40 days. I don't know what you're like, usually it's about 40 minutes for me, I'm hungry right now. So, but, but just so you know that Jesus was human, 40 days, he was hungry. And so Satan sees him in his moment of weakness, and he comes to him to tempt him. And he says, hey, if you're really God, why don't you call out to this stone and turn it into bread? He knew that core part of our humanity, that we're all drawn to the, the appetite that's stirred up by the fresh aroma of bread. And Jesus rebuts Satan by quoting scripture, saying, man does not live on bread alone. And he quotes Deuteronomy 8.3 in the full passages, man does not live on bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Jesus is talking about a kingdom reality that I want to unpack to you this morning. That we are dependent on revelation and, and understanding outside of ourselves. You are, not you are not self-sustaining. And just like in our physical, we need sustenance outside of ourselves, right? We need food and water every single day. Jesus pushed the envelope. 40 days is about what medical professionals would ever advise doing an actual fast. We need sustenance outside of ourselves. You're not born into this world self-sustaining. So it is in the kingdom of God. We need sustenance outside of ourselves, and it comes in the form of the revelation of God's word. We need it. We need it in our lives daily. And I'm going to emphasize something this morning that is a, a mantra of our church we are a church that is contending for seven-day-a-week Christianity. Every day, everyone, every day, living 
in Jesus and with Jesus. That's what Jesus gave his life for. It was not a Sunday morning Christianity. It was not a nice, tidy, little home and garden Christianity. What Jesus gave his life for was a daily relationship with every single individual. And that translates to the word of God. Its role in your life is meant to be daily sustenance. The thing that feeds your soul day in, day out. We're going to feed on God's word this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Psalm 119. So the, the, the tagline of the mantra you'll see all over our church, all over our website, pretty much anything that we produce, it's live the message. The message of Jesus, and the reason people, most people misunderstand the gospel and Christianity is because we have, we have lowered it to this form that fits in this nice little Sunday morning box. The box of religion. This whole idea of living the message is every single person experiencing the life-giving power of the message of Jesus. Day in and day out. That's when it turns from a theory to actually relevant truth that impacts your daily life. Is when you begin to embark on a journey of living out the message of Jesus. It's meant to be relevant to your Monday morning, 8 a.m. when the alarm goes off. The gospel is relevant. So we're going to keep going through Psalm 119. Even if you don't know your way around the Bible, Psalm 119 is awesome to find. You can look like a Bible whiz because it's smack dab in the center of your Bible. So just flip it open, middle of the Bible, there you go, you're good. You can impress all your friends in a sword drill or something. So Psalm 119, we're making our way through the longest chapter of the Bible. We are making headway. We are going to start reading in verse 73. The psalmist says, your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice, because I have hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous, and that in faithfulness faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let your steadfast love comfort me, according to your promise to your servant. Let your mercy come to me, that I may live, for your law is my delight. Let the insolent be put to shame, because they have wronged me with falsehood. As for me, I will meditate on your precepts. Let those who fear you turn to me, that they may know your testimonies. May my heart be blameless in your statutes, that I may not not be put to shame. My soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. My eyes long for your promise. I ask, when will you comfort me? For I have become like a wineskin in the smoke, yet I have not forgotten your statutes. How long must your servant endure? When will you judge those who persecute me? The insolent have dug pitfalls for me, then, or they do not live according to your law. All your commandments are sure, they persecute me with falsehood. Help me. They have almost made an end of, of me on earth, but I have not forsaken your precepts. In your steadfast love, give me life, that I may keep the testimonies of your mouth. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You've established the earth, and it stands fast. By your appointment they stand this day, for all things are your servants. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I am yours, save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimonies. I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Oh, how I love your law, it is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. 
I understand more than the age, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not set aside from your rules, or I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. We'll stop there for this week. You cannot interpret the psalmist's passion, passionate prayers as anything other than a daily journey of encountering the living God. It was in the most difficult of moments. It was in the mountaintops and the most exciting of moments. What he constantly longed for was the word of God, the commandments of God, the law of God, as he calls it. it for him, it was sustenance, relevant to his daily life. So there's a phrase I want to leave with you this morning. It's simply this, eat to live. It's, it's a command, it's an invitation, eat to live. If we're ever considering our own diets in the Western world, you've probably heard us or people talk about how they need to turn from living to eat to eating to live. It's like we've got to turn from like the, the gluttony of just enjoying eating to eating for survival, right? Have you guys ever heard that phrase? Well, I'm, I'm fearful that in Western Christianity, I look around and so many people are starving spiritually starving. And I don't just point to the fact that we live in the most biblically illiterate generation of all time, because it's not just a matter of knowing it, but I'm talking spiritually in their souls. They're starving. I've had this picture this week of a generation sitting on the floor at an all-you-can-eat buffet and never once looking up to realize that there is, there's all the food they can eat right before them, but they're sitting there on the floor starving to death. We are oversaturated with the word, but yet our souls are starving. I just took a quick perusal through my own phone and found I have a whole folder for, for the Bible. I have six apps for the Bible. On one app alone, version, I have over 50 translations of the Bible. In my office, I'm sure I have another half dozen Bibles. As I go to my house, I'm sure I have another dozen Bibles. We are surrounded by the Bible in terms of quantity. What about the quality of the word penetrating our daily lives? We're not, we're not gluttons in the word of God. Instead, I would propose this morning that we need to get to a place where we're beginning to eat, to live. And the living that I'm talking about is really living. It's the living that Jesus invited us into. Do you ever wonder why there's a disconnect in our own lives from what Jesus talked about? He said he came to bring life and life more abundantly. He said when we have relationship with him, it's going to be like streams of living water bubbling up from within. And I would propose that one of the main reasons that there's a disconnect from our daily lives and what Jesus describes is because we're not feeding on relationship with him through the revelation of his word. We need to eat to live. To really live. And God has this rich feast of his word available to you every day single day. Day in and day out, he has this rich feast of his word just waiting for you to feed your soul. And he supplies what you need. What you need as an individual, not just what the masses need, but what you need for the moment, 
where you're at in your walk with him. And so I really believe we need to, we need to move from seeing this book as just text on a page to seeing it be a living revelation of who God is. Hebrews chapter 4 says it's a li- this word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to even divide between soul and spirit. Can you discern between soul and spirit in your own life? I can't. But the word of God is able to penetrate so, so accurately into your life, so precisely into your life, that it can discern even between soul and spirit. It's living and active, so this is not a textbook. It's not just another book in your library. It's meant to be fed on. It's meant to be both ingested and digested daily, actually working in the inner recesses of your heart and life. That's what we need, and that's what eating to live is really like. You realize the sustaining, strength-giving, satisfying power of God's Word. So the last number of weeks, we've talked about several roles that the Word of God has in our life. The very first week, we talked about how if God is creator God, and you and I just for a moment could realize that we are created ones, and creator God gave us a revelation of himself, would it not make logical sense that on a daily basis we would attempt to submit ourselves to the authority of that revelation, of that word? It makes logical sense. Later this spring, we'll talk about why we actually believe in the 66 books of this Bible, of this book. But even if you were just to say, okay, God, if you are real and you are creator God, I'm a created one. I know I'm not self-sufficient on my own. I want to submit myself to the authority of your word. We talked about its authority in our life. Last week we talked about how we need God's word to reveal his love for us, his unfailing love for us. Every single day we compared it to it being a love letter to us. And so this third week I want us to consider the Bible, the book of uh, God's revelation to us being like substance, sustenance to our soul. Consider this, that the food of the kingdom of God is his word. It sustains, strengthens, and satisfied, satisfies. In the kingdom of God, the food is the word of God. And, and, not, and, and in order for that to actually make sense, to be true, It means the word I'm talking about is word applied and word experienced. Not just word in one ear and out the other, or just a mental ascent, just reading words on a page. In the kingdom of God, the food is actually listening to the word of God, ingesting it and digesting it and applying it, obeying. That's the food of the kingdom. And I'm believing over our church that as we open up our hearts to this reality, that we're going to see every one of us come alive more to Jesus and his work in our lives. So firstly, it sustains. The word of God sustains you. Verse 82, he says, My eyes long for your promise. I ask, when will you comfort me? We are born into a world that at the the most youngest of ages, we realize that things are not as they should be, right? Why is it that in every generation, it's the youth that are always crying out for injustices? about injustices, right? They're like, we need justice. Because they look around and they, and at, a, at the youngest of ages and they say, things are not as they should be. God has created in us this, this ability to discern that things are not as they should be. And it's the word of God that sparks hope in our hearts that there is a different way. 
We need hope. And it's the word of God that gives us a glimmer of a hope of a day to come. And some of the promises we see in the distant future, some of the promises we realize now, but the word of God sustains us through his promises day in and day out. And the psalmist is raw and honest. He says, God, when will you comfort me? Is this going to have to be something I continually just see from afar, or am I going to realize it any day soon? We can be honest with God. He's big enough for it. Verse 92, he says, If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. For the psalmist, the word of God was a matter of life and death. For him, he was eating to live. He said, without your word, without meditating on your word, I would have perished. It's a matter of life and death. I don't know if that is the way it is for you. But I'm proposing this morning, there is a way of life that you can begin stepping in tomorrow morning if you'll realize the role of the word in your life as being a sustaining power. It gives you sustenance, just like food would. Now, 12 or so years ago, I adopted a life verse. Isaiah 50, verses 4 and 5. Isaiah 50 is actually a prophecy about Jesus. But the reason I adopted it as a life verse that I pray over my life almost every single day is because I do believe that Jesus came, and he, the reason he actually drew, drew out this salvation project so long for 33 years is because he wanted to demonstrate to us how to live. He wanted to demonstrate to us what kingdom life was like. And so I confidently pray descriptors of Jesus' life over my own. I want that in my life. So Isaiah chapter 50 says, The sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue so that I might have a word to sustain the weary. Morning by morning he wakens me to listen like one being taught. He's opened my ears and I have not been rebellious. I had this dream over my life that morning by morning I'd wake up ready to listen. Some translations say the sovereign Lord has given me a tongue of a disciple. That I'd, I'd wake up ready to listen, not to check something off a list, to do a religious duty, but to listen. To sit at God's feet and just say, God, what do you have for me today? And as you do that, as you begin to feed on God's word, you see the prophecy over Jesus that he would have a word to sustain the weary. God uses you. He'll sustain, your, he'll sustain you. And he so loves your neighbor that he'll allow you to sustain your neighbor as well because of the word that's overflowing in your life. The word of God is meant to sustain us. Secondly, it strengthens. Verse 73, he says, Your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that, my, that I may learn your commandments. God knits you together. Intimately, intricately, he, he knits you together. He fashioned you. He made you. So it makes sense that that, that same God, creator God, would know how to strengthen you in your time of need. He would, he would give you understanding that you need to give you strength for the moment. Verse 77 says, Let your mercy come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. For the psalmist, he, it's not, he says that I may live. It's not that he was dead. He's talking about the living that I'm talking about, the really living. He says, I want to really live, living this life of strength and vitality and vibrancy. That happens as we delight in the word of God. And verse 88 
It says, in your steadfast love, give me life that I may keep the testimonies of your mouth. Meditating on his word, keeping it daily. One way in which this has been just a huge part of my journey in Christ has been actually applying the word of God daily over my life, praying it, like I do with my life verse. But I, I, I actually activate the word of God daily in my life over me personally, over my wife, over my marriage, over my kids. I've created all these prayer cards, and these prayer cards are not my own words, they're the word of God. Because the word of God is meant to strengthen us. I pray Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, that it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. I've been crucified with Christ. I pray that. Oh God, I've, I've sensed like so much inner turmoil. Oh yeah, I forget. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. That strengthens me when I pray that. Romans 8.15 That I have not received a spirit that makes me slave again to fear. I've received the spirit of sonship by which I cry, Abba, Father. That gives me strength. In my own doubts, in my own insecurities, in my own fears of failure, I pray that out boldly. God, I, I recognize that the spirit that I'm sensing right now is not the spirit you gave me. You've given me a spirit of sonship. That's the same spirit that I can cry out to you saying, Daddy, God, Papa, Father, Abba, Father. I pray John chapter 15 a lot. Because John chapter 15, Jesus says that, that if you abide in him and he abides in you, you will bear much fruit. I pray that, as I don't always see situations change around me like this. I simply pray this prayer saying, God, I rest in you. You've given me a promise that as I rest in you, you will bear fruit. I know it. And that gives me strength. It gives me enough strength to keep going and to go after it. It sustains, it strengthens. Lastly, it satisfies the word of God satisfies the deepest appetites in your soul. Verse 103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. The word of God can speak to you in such a way that it satisfies longings and appetites deep in your heart. Questions you've wondered, discontentments that you've had, God can satisfy in a moment, in an intimate moment. And I would contend, in order for that to happen, in order for the word of God to really be satisfying for you, you need fresh bread. Every day, fresh bread. There's a reason at the local bakeries they sell day-old bread for cheap or nothing, because it's kind of, it's a lower quality. It doesn't taste as good, am I right? The most satisfying and most tasty bread is fresh bread. And so it is in our encountering God through his word is we need fresh bread. And God delivers that for you if you come to him with a posture of expectancy and humility. He delivers a fresh word to our hearts. I was reminded of the story in Exodus chapter 16. The children of Israel in the wilderness God sustains over a million people in the wilderness for 40 years 
off uh, supernatural bread and quail that somehow migrate into the wilderness. But God gives them very specific instructions, and I want you to take note of the instructions that God gives them. Because he's always after our hearts. He's always after real relationship. He says, I want you to gather the manna, the, this bread-like formation on the ground, and I, and I want you to gather quail, but only enough for that one day. On the day before the Sabbath, I want you to gather enough for two days. But the principle is God is going to supply. He'll give you what you need in the moment. It truly is quality over quantity. And as you read the story, it says, some gathered a little bit more, some gathered a little bit less, but it was always enough. They didn't have leftovers and no one was gorging themselves, no one was going without. God always supplied what they needed. For those that did gather, like they didn't trust God that he was going to supply something tomorrow, they kind of had this poverty mentality. They kind of tried to hoard up as much as they could. Exodus 16 describes that bread the next day filled with worms and stagnant. I'm not saying that if you read too much of the word, it's going to grow worms and stagnant. I'm just saying God can be fully trusted in your life. Fully trusted. That tomorrow, you come to him with expectation that he's going to supply what you need. He'll satisfy. He so longs for relationship. Just continually rid your mind of this idea that opening up this word is a ritual or a tradition or a duty or an obligation. It's none of those things. If you come to him knowing that he's going to supply what you need. I love verses 89 through 91. He says, Forever, O Lord, for all of eternity, before the earth and the universes were ever created, forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. God is unchanging. His word is unchanging. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You've established the earth, and it stands fast. By your appointment, they stand to this day. For all things are your servants. What I love about the, the progression in those three verses is it goes from God of the universe, unchanging in nature and character, to a God that makes himself fully relevant and real to his servants. His appointments stand fast this day, and all of them are made available to his servants. He sees you. And, he, and I, I am proposing to you this morning that God can make this age-old story, thousands of years old, real and relevant and burning in your heart every day. And every moment in my life when I sense a numbness to its fervency and vibrancy in my life, I get on my knees and I cry out to God and say, God, stir it up again. I need fresh bread today to satisfy my soul. I'm not finished this morning, but I I want to give a response right now to the good news of Jesus. I just felt compelled this morning to ask for a response. Because I feel like some people can step into a church environment and they just assume that everyone's got it all together and everyone comes from certain backgrounds. And I am not a professional pastor. I am not... I don't come in a family line of pastors. I come in a family line of alcoholics. I come from a broken and messed up 
background and story. And the good news of Jesus that's so relevant to me every single day is that God would choose to reach into that muck and that mire and that chaos, and he'd decide to, to pluck me out of it. And he'd say, son, you're mine. I love you. And that's a good word for me every single day. And I want that to be good news to every single person in this place. You don't have to have it all together. Today can be your day. Today can be the day you commit your life to Christ, that you say, no turning back. I want nothing but you, Jesus. If everyone just bow their heads and close their eyes, I want to ask for a response. This really is a moment between you and God. I'm going to ask for a show of hands just so I can follow up with different individuals, but really this is a moment between you and God. If you're here this morning, you say, Drew, I want to commit my life to Christ. I know things are not the way they should be in my life, and I want to initiate, I want to start relationship with God. And if you just raise your hand in this place, awesome, awesome, yes, number of hands, awesome. Thank you for your honesty, thank you. Everyone, everyone that raised their hand, and even for those that didn't, you can pray like this, God, in this moment, I commit my life to you. Things are not right in my life. And right now I just recognize that Jesus, you saw that. I was going to need a savior in my life. And so you predestined this redemptive story, a redemptive plan to buy me back. And you've bought me back with a high price. And this morning I'm committing my life fully to you. No turning back. I want you. I want a relationship with you, God. In your mighty name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information about LifePoint Church, please visit www.livethemessage.org.